This is Public Occurrences, Both Foreign and Domestic, and I'm your host, Michael O'Fallon. I would imagine that most of us are familiar with the futurist dystopian novels that have been written in the last 100 years or so. So when I say dystopian futurist novel, most people these days think of a few novels. We either think of George Orwell's 1984, the dark authoritarian privacyless future where relationships outside of state control are forbidden, where thoughts outside of governmental approval of Ingsoc are illegal and where two plus two must equal five, if it is decided that it is politically correct. I have also suggested to many around me over the years that they should also be thinking about Huxley's vision of what would be the future in Brave New World. And Huxley's vision, by the way, his vision uh, being produced by the same think tank societies that Orwell, uh, and as well, H.G. Wells was involved within the, within the 20s and 30s and 40s, primarily through the Fabian Society and other organizations that would eventually send us in our current direction that we find ourselves in today. Huxley argues the future will look more like his brave new world than 1984. In Huxley's brave new world, the future world is marked by pleasure and distraction used by those in power, control people's spending, political loyalties, and even their thoughts. Control through reward poses a greater threat to human freedom because, unlike punishment, it can be introduced unconsciously and continued indefinitely, with the approval and support of the people being controlled. The calamity that brought about the society in the future of Brave New World was the pseudo-danger of overpopulation, as the trigger for tyranny. Just as the fictional war brought the call for a totalitarian world state, the chaos caused by overpopulation may be demanding control through overorganization. Instead of many little businesses producing necessities, an overorganized society that allows big business to mass produce anything and everything sellable while controlling consumer spending through commercials and social pressure. And maybe for some of you, a light bulb just went off. Another author that I have been consistently pointing to over the last four years on the causes of things and in some of the talks that I've given way back to 2017 is H.G. Wells. And only is Wells' dystopian futurist work such as The Shape of Things to Come pretty much an outline of foreign and national policy for the globalists today, but his nonfiction as well, as we have spoken about in recent episodes, regarding the global brain, the open conspiracy, and the new world order. And again, Wells was very involved and very influential in the Fabian Society, that is until he ran off, quite a while after having an affair with Planned Parenthood founder Margaret Sanger. But there's another author that I would really suggest, and one lesser-known work in particular. 
And as a matter of fact, though, you would see some of these elements a little bit borrowed from Brave New World, but also a lot of this kind of made its way through George Lucas's film, lesser known, of course, before Star Wars, which was THX 1138. And I have been suggesting this book to leaders that I hope would join in the pushback against what would be coming in 2020 and 2021, as far back as 2013. Because, you see, it's hard to point many of these leaders to two-hour panel lectures on YouTube from Davos or from the Asia Society. They just won't have a context for what's being discussed in some of those things, and plus they're really boring. So what I suggested to some of them, and at least two of them I know took me up on this, I suggested that they read the Ira Levin futurist dystopian novel, first written in 1969, This Perfect Day. And I suggested that they read what is in store for us. Maybe you've heard Dr. James White discussing me referring this book to him many, many years ago, even before I was really pressing hard to fight against all of this nonsense publicly. I was trying to reach leaders that I was already serving and those that I was already giving advice to. The world of our future, in many ways, fits this perfect day quite well. This perfect day presents a future that is run by a central computer called Unicomp, then thereafter in the novel referred to simply as Uni. The computer has been programmed to monitor and to keep in check every human on the surface of the earth to make sure that they are acting in accordance with the new restrictions by the world government. People living under the unification are continually drugged by means of monthly treatments so that they will remain satisfied and cooperative family members. The world run by Unicomp is dedicated to efficiency above all else. The population of the planet is kept steady at 8 billion through rigorous control of the birth rate and through emigration. It's inefficient to grow and prepare a variety of foods, so everyone's nutritional needs are met through an unchanging diet. The same foods. Because, you know, it's inefficient to grow things like beef, cattle, lamb, chickens. But if you can condense it down to just a few foods that you can distribute and feed everyone, that works so much better. It's there to suppress undesirable behavior. Everyone in the future in this perfect day submits monthly to chemotherapy treatments. Otherwise, they will get sick and demonstrate aberrant behavior. The people of this horrible vision of the future are told where they are to live, when to eat, what to eat, whom to marry, when to reproduce, and also the job for which they will be trained. Uniformity and collectivity is the defining feature of the future. There is only one language, and all ethnic groups have been 
eugenically merged into one race, named, collectively, the family. The family is so genetically uniform that no transplants can be even rejected. Everyone is assigned a counselor who acts somewhat like a mentor, confessor, a parole agent, and violations against brothers and sisters by themselves and others are expected to be reported at a weekly confession. Everyone wears a permanent identifying bracelet that interfaces with access points, which act as scanners. So remember, this is back in 1969, and they're saying that they want people to be traceable and trackable. Uni, Unicomp, uses them to tell family members where they are allowed to go and what they are allowed to do because they are all part of a worldwide collective. Now, if you're a family member who's now up in age, around the age of 62, every person is then humanely euthanized by uni with an overdose of the treatment liquids. Almost anything in them is poisonous if an excess dose is given. Most people think that old men die of natural causes because most die at 61 or 63. No one is too suspicious of the regularity. The few who happen to be resistant to the drugs or purposely change their behavior to avoid strong doses of some of the drugs in the monthly treatment are dealt with by the programmers of Unicomp. Now, these programmers, whom there are only a very, very small amount of, who live apart from all the rest of the people, these are long-lived, privileged, high-worth men and women in their underground hideaways. They are the real but invisible world government. They live in absolute luxury and choose their own members through a form of meritocracy. In part, people who choose by evasion and modifying their own behavior to leave the main family are redirected to nature preserves of imperfect life on islands. They, however, have been put in place by the programmers as a place to isolate troublemaking family members. Top minds and the outcasts are further manipulated into trying to overthrow the programmers, and eventually the ones who nearly succeeded are forced to join the programmers to help them maintain the equilibrium in the perfect world of Unicomp and the family. Despite the name programmers, these programmers are not allowed to program Unicomp since Wei Li Chun, the person who started the unification for the family, reserves the privilege solely to himself. Wei is the sole controller of the algorithmic, artificially intelligent world. Wei is a godlike figure. Only the programmers 
the wealthy class that has extended their lives for centuries. Know that Wei Li Chun remains alive for hundreds of years as the leader of the programmers, extending his lifespan by having his head transplanted onto successive youthful bodies. There's also a man named Bob Wood at the very top, who's also mentioned throughout the novel, but never really discussed in detail. However, a painting is mentioned depicting Wood presenting the unification treaty that Wei mastered and gave to the world. In one conversation in which the protagonist discusses his discovery that people once had varying lifespans, one character comments that controlling people's lifespans is the ultimate realization of Wei and Wood's thinking. Everyone has an advisor who will guide them to early treatment. In other words, early treatment is death, if necessary. The people sing a collective song before each death. Quote, One mighty family, a single perfect breed, free of all selfishness, aggressiveness, and greed, each member giving all he has to give and getting all he needs to live. End quote. The family's belief system recognizes four prophets in their religious system. Christ, Marx, Wood, and Way. Both pillars of the official state ideology are depicted on its coat of arms with a cross and a sickle. Their names are often invoked to express concern or amazement. Wednesday now is now Woods Day, and the month of March has become the month of Marks. And the song, sung by the children in the future, goes like this. Christ marks wood and way, led us to this perfect day. Marks, wood, way, and Christ, all but way were sacrificed. Wood, way, Christ, and Marks gave us lovely schools and parks. Way, Christ, Marks, and wood made us humble and made us good. And thus the ideology of the future, as depicted in this perfect day is understood. A world where average men and women of the world are ruled by an artificial intelligence, algorithms, and public health. No freedom, no choice, constant fear, and the worship of a cross and sickle. While the very few elites continue to live on separated from the smelly masses on and on forever. This is why many that I recommended this book two years ago are coming back and standing strong now. They know the moment in history that we are in now. This perfect day could be our future our children's future if we don't push back now 
for the sake of the nation, for the sake of the church, for the sake of mankind, we must win. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. Thank you.